did it, Joe. You're gonna be the next president of the United States. <laughs> Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? I'm just uh, sitting here, sipping on a Zima. Remember those? Yeah, it was not easy to get. Um, there's a guy on YouTube, apparently, that uh, opens old bottles of Zima and drinks them, so I hit him up and he sent me a case. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> as I was, I was telling uh, you before we went on air. Yeah, there, there, there's YouTube videos and channels of like people that just like eat old food. Like they'll they'll find like stuff that's supposed to uh, like never expire or in theory like has a date, but is like canned and preserved. So in theory, it's not like moldy or you know it doesn't have botulism or whatever. So they'll like open like fifty year old fucking like bunker you know end of the world rations and shit and eat them and like describe it's the weirdest fucking thing where people just like the shit the shit that youtube will recommend you as you like you know scroll through like a rabbit hole of random videos is kind of amazing well that's in theory yeah but the thing is like even if you just keep it sealed and deprive it from oxygen uh it's still going through a a very slow chemical process of of decomposition oh yeah i mean i wouldn't you couldn't fucking put a gun to my head to get me to eat a 50 year old can of anything but yeah some people are just Fucking well, iron and it, they also, you know, will put shitloads of chemical preservatives in there. It's like you're supposed to eat it in a time of war when there's no other food and you can die. <laughs> it's not supposed and, to. And be also, I mean, you... as bad as things are now, imagine how much less regulated they were even back in like the 50s and when these when these things oh. were being canned. Like, it's who fucking, knows? The cans the probably made out of lead, <laughs> right? Lead lined <laughs> can. Oh, the lead seals in. It preserves the uh, it preserves the the canned yeah. corn. It keeps it from going uh, hey, spoiling. You, you know what food uh, never goes bad? never spoils for literally forever for eternity for thousands and thousands of years is honey honey never goes bad and we know yeah, this heard, because we found urns of honey in the fucking pyramids that you know we like pilfered um yeah, right. <laughs> and the honey was just fine it was just in there and you could still so eat it that's so weird although being a vegan you know i'm fucking debatable on the honey thing i don't buy honey outright but if it's like an ingredient in bread they, but, and they and they uh, they, they it's, avoid it but you know it's not being taken from them either, though. They, they, they. It's kind of like part of their. It's, it's, it's less. It's less. Well, you, you know, got to harvest the honey somehow, but you know, if you do it, uh, I, I mean, it's not being like extract. You know, they make it naturally. You, hive, you take yeah. it, but right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not right. like you're hooking them up to a machine and you know extracting it from them. Sort <laughs> exactly, of. exactly. And and they're gonna make honey whether you. They always make right. an excess that they they've evolved before us to make an excess. So there's always, a, you know, you're never gonna take too. If you take too much, the hive will die. You won't have any more honey. But whether you eat honey or not, 
all the vegetables you eat <laughs> are all being pollinated by bees anyway. So we have a right. symbiotic relationship there regardless. So, right. Um, so, but I, so- I, yeah, go ahead. No, I just I I wonder what the what it what it is that's unique about the chemical structure of honey that just makes it so that it never expires. And there's, there's like re, there's a whole pseudoscience religious cult based around it. <laughs> um, I I, I don't want to go too far into this rabbit hole because we got another show to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some there's some fucking nut jobs out there that think honey's like this sacred you know nectar uh, of the gods or whatever nectar of the gods that was given you know that the, the bees were placed here to create humanity and everything and it's like i mean look if you believe in that at all like i feel like there's less crazy things that people believe about religion than that oh you know? yeah yeah i mean they're fucking you know granola hippies out there that believe all kinds of shit worse than that so right and just you know as long as it's, as long as it's not hurting anybody sure go ahead believe that you know right it's you know it's just, it's easier for me to believe that you know that all the plants and animals have evolved together and there are numerous symbiotic and parasitic relationships out there. I mean, you, you just watched, or at least part, partly watched the uh, premiere of last of us. Right. Right. Which is all about parasitic slash symbiotic, you know, relationships and with fungus and fungi and uh, you know, it's, it's hosts, but um, yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, we, 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 we talked about it before we went on air, but, I uh, started to watch it the other night, uh, you know, right before I went to bed and I fell asleep. I was like, oh, I'll finish it tomorrow. And it, I don't know. It was like, I really enjoyed the opening scene. And I, I and you know, I haven't played the video game. And from what you said and what other people have said, it's basically shot for shot, just a redoing of the video game. And, you yeah. know, obviously as the show goes on, I'm sure they'll expand a little on the story because it's, you know, it's, I'm sure they're going to want it to run for multiple seasons or whatever, but um you know it was just it was it was it was good but it wasn't like nothing was like making me want to go back and finish even the first episode which is not a great sign in terms of like (laughs) the the fact that it's not you know and everyone involved with it i love i love pedro pascal he's great i i I like that uh the 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 actress uh who's yeah who was great on game of thrones and like the limited you know she 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 ran the toe put her toe on the line of jumping the shark on game of thrones but they didn't have her around long enough to do that luckily i think if she'd stuck around three more seasons like if the show had stuck around three more seasons they would have had her doing like you know fucking like catchphrases and shit but like luckily that didn't happen no Um, no um, <laughs> but well, she, yeah she's i mean it's it's kind of like people that love the game you know games been around 10 years uh they thought it was a great adaptation and it's like okay sure but like you you're just watching a live action version of the exact same shots shot for shot um you know there's a couple extra things in there but it's it's like is that really all you want is just to see a remake of it essentially because i mean the game is mostly <laughs> There's not a whole lot of gameplay. It feels like you're just watching a, a movie, like you're watching cutscenes for almost the whole time you're playing it. So, right. I don't know. I, I'm I'm just kind of like, all right. Well, I already saw you know Pedro Pascal play the fucking surrogate father to another baby on another show that which, which really... is I'm sure why he got cast because you know it's like you know that right. that it's a you know and he's an HBO alum with with game with Game of Thrones, so it was an easy casting, and he's you know. That that was the other thing I thought I found really funny because I because I hadn't played the game, uh, and I know Pedro's voice so well from just hearing it, not seeing him all the time on Mandalorian. That was very taken aback when he when he let out like a sort of like 
George Bush light fucking Texas accent in the first, you know, scene yeah. of the scene of the show. I was like, oh, fuck. I what? Yeah, I didn't even really notice his, his voice that much in it. But again, you know, I kind of knew the character he was playing. Right, so. right. Whatever. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch it um because my girlfriend I'll watch it for a few you know likes to watch it yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna do that um do her a salad maybe it'll get one. better who knows i mean look you know i'm not gonna say it's never gonna be but it just it's just there's, there's said, so many streaming shows that like they have a first few good episodes and then they it's just kind of you know just even if you're fuck for the rest it, of it yeah yeah like there was that apple plus show c with um oh, jason what's momoa his, yeah. jason mimosa yeah uh <laughs> and and it was just it was like first couple episodes eh, it's kind of interesting interesting you know and then like they just didn't do any world building it just felt like a very cheap production right. that looked great but had like you know the whole thing takes place and you know it's supposed to be in this giant city but you only see like the same four blocks of it you know and, that, and like, yeah. occasionally they would do a huge matte painting wide shot but only hold it for like a split second so you're just like you never felt like it was a real place you know right i don't know it's just no a lot of stream, too lo- many streaming shows, too many fucking streaming shows and, and not enough good ones. That's the, I mean, Netflix would rather right. turn out 50 fucking garbage shows and cancel them after a season rather than just like putting their money, like a significant amount of money into developing really good fucking shows that they believe in and that they give multi-season, <laughs> you know, sort of runs to before they pull the yeah. rug out from under them. So it's, and it's to the point where like, I didn't even watch that show 1899 and I heard people said it was great, but I was like, yeah. But I'm going to like it, and then fucking Netflix is going to cancel it. So why would I even bother? Oh, They've I tried got- watching that last night and got like 10 minutes into it, and then it was like, no, not for me. Wasn't for you. I didn't watch it, was, it, so I have no it idea. It was like but- just a lot of really, you know, it was like 10 minutes of just obnoxious camera tricks and sort of jump scares and just like unnecessary music wedged in. It felt like the first 10 minutes of the show was like watching a 10-minute trailer for a show. Hmm. You know, just, just very chintzy uh level of production but the, um, and that's it's like but aesthetically it looked great i was like well, oh that's, that's what right visually i was like oh this looks like an interesting yeah, show but it, it felt like a like an eighth grader edited it huh, interesting <laughs> oh so, when that's um, a, that's the problem is like it you know it's just you never can get into a show because it's just you know it's not gonna last so why bother it's just very uh it, you it know just, yeah there's too many things so everyone's like oh we gotta grab people's attention right off the bat so let's you know Let's show a rapid montage of things they're going to see later in the show well, at the beginning of the show. It's like, that's what the trailer's for. I don't need, I'm already watching it. You don't have to fucking sell me on it. Okay. And, and this is the issue is like, I feel like it's, it's just, it's bloat because like, that was always the thing that, that we, you know, that the, our professor talked about in screenwriting class. And it's just a thing you learn is like, you have to start off your script with a bang in some way. I mean, not, you know, if sure, if you're writing like a, like a really, you know, uh, introspective indie drama that's about like you're you know going to visit your friend who's dying of cancer you're not gonna start off with an action scene but even so you need to start with something that's gonna grab people's interests right away and i think people have taken that message and sort of hackified it to the point where it's just like well we need to just yeah like you said make a 10 minute trailer to start off our movie or our tv show versus like let's think of a really interesting thing where you know Nobody will know what the fuck is going on, and then we'll slowly explain it, which is actually what that's, you know, that sort of trope or idea of, of, of you know, starting you, out with what a What are you, fucking is... Terrence Malick over here? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to wait 45 minutes to get to World War II. I want fucking, right. you know, on page one, Tom Hanks is on the beach and the bombs are going off. 
And yeah, reservoir, you know, reservoir dogs is the ultimate. Like that's what like they even talk about. Like when in in our screen class classes, like the example oh of that. But you know, very basic bare bones example of that. But that's kind of the idea is that you you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then you slowly explain to people what's going on, and then you can maybe pick it up and carry the story on from there. You know, as you're reaching the climax of your of your script. But then people have taken that and misunderstood it to mean like just. You know, do a bunch of shit all the time because people. That was my that was my least favorite thing about going to film school was that every fucking dude thought they were going to be the next Quentin Tarantino, (laughs) right? You know, and and like they just they just wanted to make Reservoir Dogs. It's like no, you have to make up your own thing. Like study the films that he studied. Don't study what he's open a video open a video store and just watch movies all day and have no life. (laughs) Right, like go back and watch (laughs) the old, you know. 70s black exploitation films and watch the 1940s and 50s uh noir films like then you're going to be a good right, the 50s and 60s westerns and you know, every uh, other fucking movie he watched yeah. and samurai so I'll, I'll never forget that like um the terrence malick's thin red line came out like i think the same in the same two-week stretch that uh saving private ryan came out uh, and I remember Peter Travers from Rolling Stone wrote about them at the, in the same review and just said, like, mm. they could not be more dissimilar films. Oh, yeah. You know? God. I mean. um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's true. I mean, you watch Thin Red Line and like you you keep hearing that they're going to a war and you keep seeing little signs that there's a war happening somewhere. But like you don't hear an actual shot fired until almost an hour into the film. But that whole time you've been building up this, you know, just fucking dread of what's happening because you can't see it and you know, it's out there somewhere. Whereas with Steven Spielberg, he's just like, Oh, here's the huge fucking boom and bombs and everything, you know? And it's like, you don't, it just numbs you to it. And I guess maybe that's the point he was trying to make, but well, Spielberg's always been a big, like sort of liberal apologist for like the myth of American, uh, American exceptionalism. And also just the myth of America as like this, just begot like this poor put upon, you know, uh, noble, like trying to do the right thing, sort of country, like Captain America. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just well, you know, and it's still a it's still a pro war film though. And we've That's, we've right. talked about That's this endlessly. Is that any film that tries to make a hero out of you know the people that had to go through this fucking awful shit and all the awful shit they did is reinforcing th- that it's a righteous cause at the end of the day. Right. And it's not. Um, I just watched, uh, speaking of German films, because 1899 is a German series. Right. They dubbed it pretty well. Uh, also German and dubbed on Netflix right now is um, a film version of uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, which is about World War One, And it is very much an anti-war film because nobody looks like a good person in this movie. Everyone in the movie does terrible, awful, violent things, and some of them regret them, and some of them are just you know, catatonic at the end. Uh, but it's a shame that, you know, like with, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Paths of Glory, Stanley Cooper's Paths of Glory, which was banned in France because <laughs> they didn't like looking bad. Uh, it's a shame that like to really make an anti-war film, we have to go back to World War One. Right. Well, that's the safe, the safe war because no one's around from that war anymore. I mean, you know, for the most part, no one's around from World War II anymore. But up until the last decade, they were. So it was very like every every, we still have to propagandize all these other wars. So all the movies have to be like, well, you know, I mean, it was regrettable, but there's still we were on the right side, right? Right, right. Because we, you know, we single-handedly defeated the Nazis and and drove them out, and you know, we we flew our flag over the uh, over the Reichstag, and that was that was what happened, right? That's that's what I remember happening. Yeah. Well, I always love the director's choice to like not show the enemy because that makes them more evil. You know, it's like right. that 
that's which is also just reinforcing every racist sort of you know <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like oh those those savages on the other side like it's just fucking you know whatever um totally. yeah but, i need yeah. to watch the red line again uh it's, that was one of my favorite films probably my favorite so favorite years terrence yeah. uh, malik film it's it's just great because like the cast was you know just the biggest all-star cast you could even you could ever imagine you know george clooney's in it for all of like 30 seconds <laughs> but he's in there <laughs> the john yeah, uh, John DeVolte is in it for all of like two minutes, but he's in there. Right. Uh, Adrian Brody had all of his scenes cut from the film, <laughs> from the final <laughs> cut. He didn't even know it. He didn't even know he was cut out of the film until, I guess, the premiere, <laughs> which would be like a really shitty like, hey, Terry, you couldn't call me on the phone and let me know. Right, you like, cut dude, me out dude, of a fucking movie. Um, you know, I mean, still got paid, but still, that's a you show up to the premiere to the red carpet, and everyone's like, Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, <laughs> you ain't oh, in the character has this great scene, it's gonna be great. I can't wait to see it. It's like, Oh, fuck. um, yeah, uh, we'll see you next time in the pianist, <laughs> right? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, all right, so yeah, let, let's get into the week because, uh, you know, there, there was some stuff going on, uh, not a ton, not as we mentioned before. We oh, went on yeah, there, well, I mean, the big news today. Uh, just just right out of the gate, I wanted to get to get this the, out there, but I just want to give congratulations to Pete Booty Judge on his successful confirmation as Chief Justice of the New York State Court of Appeals. <laughs> yeah, you Way know, to go, it was, a, it, was a t- it was a t- it was a secret ballot. It was, it was tough sledding <laughs> for a while, but yeah. So so, uh, Kathy Hochul, Hochul, whatever the fuck her name is, terrible fucking governor of New York. Um, Basically was was Andrew Cuomo's uh, for people that don't know more or less his handpicked successor. You know he was was forced to step down. You know completely against his will. A concept he has uh, familiar <laughs> quite quite extensive knowledge with the concept of doing something against uh, against your will or forcing someone to do something against their will. But uh, he uh, stepped down because of the numerous allegations uh, uh, against him of sexual harassment and groping and all sorts of. And those yeah, were just from his own brother. <laughs> um, and- I saw it last time I was home in, in my mom's house in Michigan. Um, his little brother who had got he's fired. He's got like a show a, now, right? He's got a new show. He's got oh, a new show God. on a network I'd never heard of. It was it, like just bargain basement, right. you know, like level production. Liberal too. equivalent of Newsmax or whatever it is. Like, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, um. Right. But yeah, so so you know he the way New and I was I was telling you this before we went on air, but the way New York works is you basically uh, that you elect the governor and the lieutenant governor separately, but right. ostensibly if you're going to vote for one, you're probably going to vote for another because like they ran together, endorsed each other, Hochul and and Cuomo, and then Jamal Williams, uh, I'm sorry, Jumani, Jum- I, I forget I, I forgot how you say his first name. It's it's like Juman or Jermaine Jumani. Williams, uh, who's actually pretty good, uh, and Cynthia Nixon uh, ran as like the the left candidates of the Democratic Party, um, and you know Nixon actually, if, if I remember correctly, did fairly you know well. She lost, but she you know had a decent chunk of the vote, and uh, they ran on the same ticket. So it you know it they don't. It's not like that you're voting for both at the same time, but more or less you are. Um, it would have been very funny, actually. I would have really liked it if. Uh, Jumani had won and Cuomo, you know, if, if Cuomo won, but Jumani won, cause he definitely would not have stepped down, uh, with that being the case, even though like, like every, you know, New York progressive quote unquote, I'm sure he would have fucking capitulated and been shitty on a bunch of stuff and, you know, moved to the center if he got, you know, he got into that seat, but 
he still was, you know, significantly less conservative than, than Kathy was. And she ended up in the seat. So when he stepped down, she took over as governor and then got reelected this last 2022, I guess, last, uh, election as governor because new york democrats are fucking awful uh garbage shitty fucking rich liberal elitist um and they like to vote for people that look like them and represent their values so you know it's just uh very unfortunate that she's the governor but her big political move this you know in this new you know cycle as as an actual elected governor she's using all her political capital to ram through a extremely conservative um judge to the um to the what was the court that you mentioned uh, so it's the, the highest uh court in, in new, york, new york the right. new york state court of appeals right so they're like one step below the u.s supreme court apparently right um and i don't know if new york has a supreme court of their own like i know a lot I think of some states have their own state kinda, supreme court i don't it's, it's kind of considered that i think as, as far as i know but yeah um, but no, and you know, these are very important positions and that's, you know, the thing that happened under Trump is that, uh, for whatever reason, just the Democrats, you know, <laughs> I mean, we know the reasons cause it's, they represent the same values, but Democrats let Trump elect like ho- dozens and dozens and dozens of federal judges and put forth, you know, his candidates in these state courts of appeals and all these different, um, courts. And these are the courts that end up bumping up these cases that make it up to the conservative Supreme court that, you know, vote down things like, you know, marriage equality and all these sorts Roe of things that Roe v. Wade that they're going to, yeah. you know, that they have and are going to try to vote down. So, I mean, it's very important seat. And you would think that the democratic governor with a democratic supermajority uh, would try to put somebody up who at least pretends to be, uh, li- you know, left wing progressive, at least you yeah, know, she had mo- a list. She had a list of seven different people and she picked the f- most far extreme right one. Um, one of the big things that everyone's hung up on um, with this guy is that he ruled uh, that prosecutors, there was a case about what prosecutors can, you know, use as criteria for jury selection, that uh, their race could disqualify them, could disqualify jurors and prosecutors could do that. And he ruled on that, and it was his ruling was overturned unanimously by, I'm assuming, a state board of judges. Uh, and he was asked if he still stands by that, uh, but that ruling, and he said, "Yeah, I." He do. said, "I stand by every decision I've ever made." So every de- exactly. So just just to tell you a quick list of his, uh, well, not a, I'm going to read a little bit of an article yeah, here from thing. City sure. and State New York, and that mentions that case and a couple other cases and why he's facing the scrutiny. Um, so for the past month, supporters of State Court of Appeals Chief Judge nominee Hector LaSalle have fought a growing opposition to his nomination. They have called criticisms of, uh, criticisms of him, quote, mischaracterizations based on a few cases that have been used to paint LaSalle's anti-union and anti-abortion rights. You know, just your run-of-the-mill Democrat. Um, while only a handful of cases have, have uh, received the bulk of attention since his nomination, opponents have highlighted an array of opinions that LaSalle joined during his decade in the appellate division appellate uh, uh, division uh, that they believe it illustrates a conservative track record that makes him a bad fit to lead New York's highest court. So LaSalle's decision to join opinions in two particular cases, Cablevision Systems Corp v. Communications Workers of America District 1, <laughs> guess which side you took on that one, uh, and Evergreen Association Inc. versus Schneiderman have made up the core arguments uh, for LaSalle's alleged anti-labor and anti-abortion rights <laughs> beliefs. In the Cablevision case, he joined a unanimous decision amongst 
the appellate panel of judges to allow a lawsuit from Cablevision uh, against individual union members to advance. In the Evergreen case, he joined a majority decision limiting the subpoena power of the state attorney general in relation to an investigation into a crisis pregnancy center. Uh, opponents and supporters have argued the merits of those decisions, with supporters making the case that they were simply procedural and opponents saying that they were evidence of a clear conservative bias. Um, and this is the, the the one you mentioned. So as supporters have said uh, that LaSalle can't be judged on two cases, opponents have begun to unearth other decisions that should warrant scrutiny. One such case was People versus Bridgeforth, in which LaSalle joined a decision that said dismissing jurors based on skin color passed constitutional muster. Quote, the opinion Justice LaSalle joined in uh, Bridgeforth ignores the obvious discrimination in the prosecutor's actions. Attorneys Vince, uh, Vincent Sutherland and Jason Williamson re- recently wrote in a Queen's uh, Daily Eagle op-ed. The decision found that while the prosecutor dismissed jurors based on a skin color, skin color is not a protected class, and therefore the dismissals were allowed. Quote, it was an opinion that quite literally did not see color, Sutherland and Williamson wrote. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Yeah. I mean, he's just a fucking atrocious. This is, he's not even like a conservative Democrat. He's just a conservative. Like there's nothing like, you know, I mean, I, yes, uh, the Democrats are all conservatives, but like this, like, I don't even understand how you could in your right mind say that this guy should be the nominee for any Democrat as like, you know, like what would, what, what would be the fucking justification for this other than the fact that you're concerned that every pretty much every seat of power in New York has a democratic majority right now. And you want to put some sort of a fucking stopgap so that you don't have to do anything that would piss your donors off. That's the only reason you would be fighting for your fucking political life to put this piece of shit motherfucker on, on the highest court in the state. Like that's the only reason. Clearly clearly she wants something from him and knows that there's, you know, a case in the works or something that would eventually fall on his desk that she knows that, you know, hey, I got you there. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, it's I possible she's scared way. that the, the state Senate is going to pass, you know, the single payer uh, bill that's been kicking around the fucking Democratic majority state Senate for like a decade at this point. Like, she, I'm sure she's scared that they're going to pass something that she thinks he'll be the stopgap to rule unconstitutional so that she won't have to do it. Like, that's, I'm sure, what the one of the calculuses that she's making is. But, right. you know, it, it's you're going to be in it for a rough fucking six years because even shitty like centrist Democrats were not on board with this fucking guy like that. I was telling you that Adam Park Mento guy who was like a Hillary communications director. Some sh- he's always on fucking Twitter or was back in, you know, the, the, the horrible glory 20, days of 2016. 2016. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was like, what the fuck is she doing? Like what, this is ridiculous. Like he, even he was like, Nobody is making excuses for her, which even like the Hillary dead enders, well, which really tells you something. And she said that uh, she well, she said this before the vote today, but she said that if the vote in this committee doesn't go the way she wants, she may sue the New York State Senate to force a floor vote anyway, which is fucking insane. Like, it, it's just she's going to she's going to take the, the <laughs> she's going to take the legislature of the state of New York to court. To force the change the rules of how the democracy works. Yep. Like that doesn't look bad or anything. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. It's basically um, saying like I, you have no faith in the own democratic process of your own democratically controlled Senate to tell you that your judge is no good. No, it, it's just unbelievable. Uh, one other just just funny and not funny. I mean, atrocious ruling that he made. But uh, just just to give you an idea of his character. 
another key decision was Campanelli versus Long Island Lighting Co. Uh, in the case, a child with birth defects sued the company his father worked for, arguing that the lead dust he brought home from work resulted in development uh, of disabilities through exposure in, in utero and during infancy. Um, LaSalle joined an opinion that found the company only had a duty of care for the employee, not his children. What's interesting about this decision is that there is no statutory law on the books that requires it. Noah Rosenblum, an assistant uh, law professor at NYU School of Law, told City and State, the legislature never passed a law that said the duty of care in New York only extends this far. So it's not even like he's citing any real precedent. He just like doesn't want to ever admit that a corporation could be responsible for any sort of, uh, you know, environmental or physical, you know, health and safety harm. Uh, beyond we weren't even aware our our workers had families how were we supposed to (laughs) know (laughs) it's just unbelievable uh this quote later on the article he totally could have said that the duty of uh of of care did extend he just chose not to rosenblum argued as as further evidence of lasalle's conservative jurisprudence so i mean this guy's just a fucking complete scumbag conservative you know corporate loving piece of shit um and that's who the Democrats are. So, I mean, obviously that's why she wants him, but they're usually more sly about it than this. They usually find someone who doesn't have a history of atrocious decisions, who just has already made it clear to them that they'll play ball. Like it, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. So yeah, that's what's well, going I on. I mean, if people are speculating, you know, what kind of dirt does he have on her? But I think it's more likely, you know, what, what you're saying is, is <clears throat> that, you know, it's it's more about what he will do in the future that she needs from him specifically. Uh, things like like you said, like stopping a uh, minimum wage hike, um, whatever. I mean, there's there's so much real estate law that happens in New York. Um, you know, I'm sure that that would be something that she could, would stand a profit from. Some wasn't it, isn't she married to some fucking real estate guy? I th- I believe that's correct. I I forgot the exact. Uh, yeah. Well, if you're in real estate, you need a fucking good judge. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Um. Oh my God. So uh, this is yeah one other thing I wanted to read. So she of course used the the MLK holiday, the the you know day celebrating Martin Luther King Jr.'s life, um, in, in true conservative fashion to completely misrepresent what MLK actually stood for, but also to just shamelessly chill for. Her conservative piece of shit judge uh candidate so she was speaking at a church at an mlk day event um this is part of the transcript uh of that of her speech um quote when he was when he was gunned down assassinated my family sat there and held hands and wept how could this be hokel said how could this man of god who taught us uh about nonviolence and social justice um how could this man of God who taught us about nonviolence and social justice and change and not judging people by the color of their skin or one or two ca- <laughs> one or two cases out of 5,000 cases decided? Oh, man, that's okay. So that's obviously the fucking I, – I, I I'm pretty sure this is fake, but a bunch of people are posting it as if it's real. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check on that because that, that seems like it's not actually real. But um, – well, maybe she just didn't know. Maybe she just didn't know at the time. Yeah, no, I. It, it's just, yeah, it, it's fucking insane. But, um, yeah, she, but she did actually genuinely use an MLK Day speech to stump for LaSalle, which is, uh, fucking insane. Uh, just you know, oh god. Um, but so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with this because they could 
conceivably sue. She could sue her own party, the, the, the you know the Senate majority of of of, of the de- the Democratic Senate majority, to force a floor vote, which is fucking hilarious because the Democrats who hem and haw about the fact that Republicans never let anything got get to a floor vote, you know that would actually you know hold people accountable during the time where the Republicans had a slim majority, uh, never threatened to sue. I never realized this was even a possibility, but as you were saying, like, in theory, anyone could sue to fucking, you know, uh, get a vote or, you know, for whatever reason they could sue, but it would be uh, disastrous. Well, it's, it's a huge, yeah. I mean, the, the blowback on it is, is like, again, like why blow all of your political capital on this one guy? You know, I mean, she wants the floor vote because she knows that all the Republicans will vote for him because they love him. They've all said how much they love him. <laughs> so. And that was the funniest thing is if you didn't know who he was and you watched the, the hearings, um, he was it, it literally was like watching a, a Republican Supreme Court nominee get um, get put through it, get put through a you know a confirmation hearing because the Republicans were talking about just how say blowjob. Right, blow exactly. Job. I mean, it, but just, you know, like giving him the most softball questions imaginable. And the Democrats were the ones who were grilling him because there are actually some really good uh, Democrats in the state Senate in New York, people like Jessica Ramos and um, Jabari Brisport, I think is he thinks he's a state Senator or state representative. I don't know. There's, there's a decent slate that, you know, were, were socialist or like socialist adjacent who got elected in New York and have as of yet, not completely sold out, you know, for national uh, spotlight, like all the, the national uh, DSA candidates, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's fucking insane. Like that. This is what we're that imagine just like, this is what you have to do as a, as someone who actually is trying like a, a Senate Democrat, who's actually like a left wing, you know, Democrat trying to like, you know, you think, Oh my God, we're in a, we're in a state and we have like a super majority. And like, this is the shit you're doing is acting as if you are in a fucking Republican majority, uh, state and you're like blocking their fucking nominees. Like it's insane that this is even happening, but that's, you know, the New York. Democrats. Well, I mean, like you said, once you lose the, the mainstream Dems, then, uh, you're, you're kind of done. Um, Cuomo well, learned that apparently she didn't learn that. Well, that, and that's the problem is like, she's, she's very much a Cuomo protege and he was always the hack and slash fucking burn all bridges. I'm too powerful. I'm too, I'm too big to fail. I'm too powerful to, to, you know, kick out or I mean, maybe that's what it down. is. Was was this guy was his pick, and you know, it was like you know, if anything happens to me, you've got to make sure this guy <laughs> get gets on the court, uh, or else, you know. Right. And if you don't, I'll take you down with me. So you know, there's some kind of like dirt that he has on her that she's doing this for him. Who knows? You you know, fucking New York politics, right? It's it, it's <laughs> it's literally the fucking mafia. I mean, it's just it's, it, it is it's, it's absolutely the mafia and. You know, she doesn't want to wake up with a horse head in her bed, apparently. Um, (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't? (laughs) Well, speaking of people who may or may not be criminals, we should should (laughs) talk about shorts. I was going to say, speaking of dead pets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. Oh, God. This this fucking story, man. This guy was funny last week. Now I just want to break his fucking kneecaps. That's disgusting. Yeah. So George Santos, complete, uh, if that is his real name. Uh, complete fucking garbage human piece of shit. We've talked about him in the last couple of weeks. It just really just begging for a fucking satire of his life to be made. Uh, like clearly just lied about his entire life story career. He's, he's not going to be able to go out in public 
anywhere to fundraise anywhere because somebody somebody who's a veteran or somebody who loves dogs or somebody who's a veteran who loves dogs is gonna fucking uh fucking nancy kerrigan is fucking right or something you know is is fully deserved so yeah you know we talked about some of the the goofier lies he told last week but apparently this week it came out and again things are great i mean i literally found an article right before we went on air that's not this story that i'm gonna read to you sight unseen uh so, so we can get our real-time reaction um, sure. but, but before that, I mean, yeah, so he, there was a story, but that he basically set up a GoFundMe to help th- this, this, this veteran who had like this dog that had a major health issue, like raised homeless you know, veteran, homeless veteran, by the way, veteran. he had a service dog, not, not like a dog that they make go fight in a war, you know, but like his, no, like a dog. Like, so he doesn't kill people in, in CVS type dog, like. Right. He's an emotional support dog. Right. right. Um, and a lot of people who have PTSD from going to war or from whatever <clears throat> have those have yeah. service dogs. They're basically, you know, just like they have to have the dog to prevent them from having anxiety attacks or thoughts of, you know, suicide. It, it which, just, which it, was it's just this guy's case. He had he said there was two different times that he would have killed himself if it wasn't for this dog. Right. And so uh, Santos, I don't know how he got hooked up with him, probably just from one of his fucking fundraising scam Ponzi scheme, you know, things that he's trying to do is, you know, becoming a, a up and coming Republican politician uh, started to go fund me for this guy. Uh, and he just took all the money like he didn't give the guy the money and the dog died. So I, it's just, you know, yeah. so it was three thousand dollars. The dog had a tumor that that. Um because they didn't get the money, the tumor, you know, kept growing and growing. And there's a, there's a picture online. You can see there's like a tumor was the size of a cantaloupe on this poor dog's stomach. And he basically told the guy, well, if you want the money, you have to go to this certain vet that I have credit with. Like really you have credit, credit with a vet. That's not how credit works for one, but two, the money is there that people donated. So you should give it to him and not tell him he has to. Because if you have credit, then what was the money for that you fundraised? Like, that's just a scam on top of a scam right there. Oh, yeah. I, I all the time gain credit with people that solely sell their services for, for, for money. That's so how you, the, that's so totally. The I took the dog there. Yeah. He took the dog to the place that the Santos told him to go to. And that vet said who he was basically just like, you know, working out of the back of his house, wasn't even like, you know, necessarily a real vet, um, said, I have no idea how to do this procedure. I, I don't have, I don't know how, I don't, can't do the facility. Like the, the guy was, you know, and then, so when he contacted him again saying, hey, this vet said he can't do it, that's when Santos just ghosted him, took down the GoFundMe page and never returned his text ever again. Yeah. Yeah. So and then the dog died, and then the dog died, <sighs> and the guy's still alive. I guess somehow he just you know he soldiered on, but like that that's fucking. Well, horrific. apparently some people found this uh, Santos and were bullying him to like said you know if he, well his dog's dead now, so you need to at the very least pay to get him a new service animal, and then he ghosted on those people too. So it's like this guy's you know i mean you don't tell this many lies unless you're trying to hide something else like there's going to be another bigger thing we find out that's like oh that's that's what he's been running from all this time he's oh been yeah running this con all these cons to get away from a much bigger thing that we're going to find out eventually um when well, one of them was like we th- there's that video that broke online that i was like i don't think this is real like when we first saw it the other day and it turns out to actually be real a bunch of legitimate outlets like publishing is like yeah no this is a legitimate video 
that it was a video of him uh, at some Republican like event you know like it's it was like a trying to be cool hipster event it looked like it was in some like like bar or fucking whatever in new york um and it wasn't a hipster coffee house in downtown la right and he and he <laughs> and he introduced himself as anthony devolder in the video and it's clearly him like he's got a very yeah. very uh distinct doughy face um but apparently this is a name he used among other names uh <laughs> including anthony zabrowski that uh, like he just goes by all these different names. So that's like, we were joking like, like a month ago when he, when they did the roll call vote for the, um, the speaker vote, cause he didn't hear his name and didn't vote. And he had to like run to get his vote in because they, they, he, he they missed him cause he didn't hear his name. He didn't acknowledge when they were calling for, uh, George Santos to vote. Uh, and he later, no, 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 I, I, my vote. So we're like, is that even his fucking name? Like half jokingly, we said it, but like, it really might not be his fucking name. Like, we don't know what this guy's actual fucking name is. Seriously. Um, I mean, don't you have to go through a pretty rigorous no, background check to be? This, this is, there was, I read an article about this the other day. No, no one entity takes responsibility for that. And basically everyone else is like, well, you got to check with the, the hall of records and, and, or the library of Con-. like all these people are like passing the buck on the idea of like running a background check on, the people who are literally voting on the well-being of 330 million uh, people. Uh, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, when I worked for uh, passport services for the federal government, when I was a, a U.S. agent, when I was a federal agent, uh, they wouldn't give me a gun. Uh, I, I had to deal with people calling in all the time who were being forced by an employer to get a passport purely so that the employer would not have to pay to do a background check on the employee because they knew which should be illegal. Oh yeah, no, it should totally be illegal. Um, But because they know that when you do uh, apply for a passport, uh, you're basically the the biggest part of that process is doing a federal background check on you to verify all of the information that you are, who you say you are, that you don't have a criminal record, that you're not wanted by Interpol, you know, all this shit. They want to know where you lived and what years, you know, it's all that stuff. And so if, if you have to get a passport to, you know, be a fucking truck driver, uh, you should have to have a passport to be in the United States Congress. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, of shit like this. There's also talk that he may not actually be an American citizen, which would also be really funny uh, if, if that's something he just managed to slip under the radar. But again, there's zero background check uh, actually in place for Congress people. Like, it's fucking insane. The, the, the level of uh, just that this has never come up before. And it's another one of those things that we saw a lot during Trump was like, you know, people would be like, Oh, well, it's just never been a thing. Like it's always been a norm that this was fine. And it was like, he just looked at it as like, is it a law? And they're like, well, no, he's like, all right, so I'm not going to do it. Like, so, and, and what were they going to say? Like, you better like, what, what are you going to fucking do? It's like, it's this insane fucking honor system that we've relied on. And well, everyone used to be white and male. So like what, what needed to be checked? Right. He's, now, he's a, now we've he's got all these gentlemen immigrants sure he's got coming slaves, in and who but, knows you know. where they've been and what diseases they're bringing across the board. He's um, a nice upstanding, yeah. you know, honorable slave owner. He's, we know he's legitimate. He's a nice guy. Um, but yeah, that's basically what it was before. Um, he's got a white name for a first name. So that's close enough. Right. <laughs> um, and so, so this other story, I just, just popped up as I, as I was Googling, trying to find that first dog story. Uh, and this is from salon.com today, 
Uh, ex-roommate, George Santos used fake Jewish name on GoFundMe because he said, quote, Jews would give more. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's probably not inaccurate, but that's still shady as fuck to, to do. So, you have to represent yourself like that. So I got to read. Well, so this is a third name now. This is this is this is not Anthony Devolder or George Santos. A former acquaintance of Rep. George Santos on Tuesday added some new details to the scandal plague congressman's cultural appropriation of the Jewish faith and religion. That's another thing. He he seems to like hedge on whether or not he's Jewish or not. He's not. Like it's it's pretty like clear that he's not. But <clears throat> he seems to try to represent that he is. But um, I mean, don't don't you just have to say you are? Well, I, he wasn't to... raised like he he seemed to like hedge on whether or not he was. Ra- yeah, he could be whatever the fuck he wants. But you know, he clearly just doesn't give a shit. Whatever will whatever will get him paid. Fucking Walter um, Simchick from uh from uh Big Lebowski over here. <laughs> um during during an interview with CNN's Anderson Cooper, Santos's former roommate Gregor uh Gregory Mori Parker said he knew Santos by two names, Anthony Devolder and Anthony Zabrowski, or Zabrowski, uh with Zabrowski being the last name Santos used for his fake pet charity GoFundMe page. He would say, "Oh well, that Jew will give me more uh, that Jew will give more if you're a Jew, Maury Parker quoted his former roommate. The two had only lived together for a couple of months, but it was long enough for Maury Parker to witness uh, Santos's deception firsthand. Maury Parker recalled uh, Santos stealing a scarf from him that he ended up wearing to the January 6th insurrection. <laughs> so that's shit. how he recognized him in the crowd. Uh, uh, he also led credence to the story about Santos allegedly stealing 3000 from a veteran that was supposed to go to his dying service dog. Um, Maury Parker proved the closeness of his relationship with Santos by sending a photograph of him and Santos's mother who lived near him and Santos. Maury Parker described Santos's mother as a very, very sweet, sweet woman. Oh, that poor woman. Um, the public outcry over if she's not anything like him. Um, this is, this is pretty rough. This is a tough beat for a parent. Uh, the public outcry over Santos doesn't shock Maury Parker. Everything he said to me was a lie. Maury Parker said. So yeah, it's just people are coming out of the woodwork, but like this, this, like I, I'm almost like, just, I can't even imagine what the other shoe dropping is going to be in this, in this story. Like what we're going to really find out about him. Find out he's not actually gay. <laughs> I don't know. Oh no, he's definitely not. Well, I mean, he had, you know, like that's, that was the first, I mean, I, look, I'm not saying he's definitely not, but that was like the first like sign of like, Oh, maybe this guy's not on the up and up because he said he was. And then it came out that he had an ex-wife, which he hid, which is not to say that you can't, you know, there be closeted people who marry, you know, women, whatever. But that was the first sign of like, oh, maybe this guy's story is not 100%, you know, on the up and up. And then that was when the cascade of whatever, like, the Republicans do a tremendous oppo research on themselves. Like, remember that fucking... The little the guy the little guy who beat up trees uh, the the, the uh, Madison Cawthorn remember yeah. like when he got cross with them because he wouldn't play ball like for some of their 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 normal conservative shit because he was more of a Trump guy and they just dug up like video after video and allegation after allegation against him and just ran him out of fucking public life like the Democrats will never do that to one of their own Republicans have no problem doing that shit if you don't play ball with them <laughs> no no. Well, it's it's like I think it's like they're, you know, 
it's it's like college hazing, you know, where they, they like force them to do some like gay shit on camera. Right. You know, just so they can hold it against them forever, you know. Like right. never you never you never fucking speak out against the any they of say the, like other the skull the and bones skull brothers. And, I was just gonna say the skull and bones yeah. do that allegedly. <laughs> that like, shit. That shit, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, so videos of Bush I, I wanted to wanted to share um but but so far they're not doing that to this guy. So it makes me think that, you know, they still they they see the value in somebody who's compromised, obviously, um, because he just got two committee assignments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they won't so even he's, speak he's, to him or be seen with him on camera, but they'll give him committee assignments. That's right, because well, they need him to be the, you know a, a mechanism for their agenda, right? Right. So, um, so he's still valuable for that reason. So just just a couple paragraphs here. Well, actually, more than a couple, but it gets funnier as it goes. So just bear with me here. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll we can take breaks as we go. So. Here we go. The House GOP steering committee on Tuesday recommended the embattled rep George Santos, Republican of New York, sit on the House Small Business Committee and the House Science, Space and Technology Committee, (laughs) according to sources familiar with the assignments. So, yeah, let's 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 give Elon a fucking seat at NASA. All right. Santos's assignments to the panels comes after multiple members of his own party have called on him to resign over his admitted fabrications about his work history, education, and questions about his uh, campaign finances, misleading claims of Jewish heritage and reported charges in Brazil related to checkbook fraud, which Santos has denied among other issues. Rep Roger Williams, a Republican from Texas is the newly assigned chairman of the Small Business Committee, which has jurisdiction over the Small Business Administration and implemented the Paycheck Protection Loan Program authorized in response to COVID-19. Quote, I don't condone what he said or what he's done. I don't think anyone here does. But that's not my role. He was elected. He represents a million people, Williams said of Santos on Tuesday, CNN reported. Before his... (laughs) Here's where it gets good. Before his resume fabrications were revealed, Santos told N1, uh, NY1 in November that he hoped to sit on the House Financial Services Committee, quote, based on my 14-year background in capital markets. <laughs> 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 Which we know he never doesn't, he never fucking did. He no, never right? it. <laughs> but I love how he keeps he keeps that lie. I like, like, what are you going to do at this point? Say, you know, that you just got to be like, yeah, no, I totally did that. Like, <laughs> so... Uh, and then um, he also said that you want to be on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, quote, based on my, I guess, multicultural background as a human being, end quote. <laughs> it's like, why do you want to be on this committee? Uh, I don't know, because I'm a person. <laughs> Great fucking answer. That's the one thing you can say that's not a lie. Great job. Unbelievable. I, I just... <laughs> This fucking guy. What a, what an absolute clown show. Um, I, I Yeah, I'm very curious to see how this all ends, because I, I don't think this is <laughs> something we've quite seen before, uh, at least in modern times in Congress. Like, they're, they're all liars, but, like, this is, like, this is definitely, like, just, just complete fucking, like... Anything goes. Anything goes. Once we had Trump, anything goes. And, you know, again, it's, it's not like this is necessarily different it's just you know we live in a society (laughs) right and you know people that have grown up i mean this guy is young he's like what 
32, I think. Oof, yeah. I mean, who knows? Like, who do, like who, there's whatever age he says he is and whatever age he actually is. Right. Again, who knows? But, but like when you've lived the majority. 34, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, you, when you've lived your whole life, you know, within the existence of the internet. Yeah. Uh, it's just the breadcrumbs are going to go much further. It, it, right. th- we're not going to get any better than this. It's, this is the, this is the first in a many, yeah, the, the, this is the kind of the, the internet poisoned fucking, you know, public figures that we're going to be churning out for the next, you know, hundred years until the planet fucking, you know, kicks us off of it. Uh, basically that's, that's what we're, we have to look forward to is these, these types of, of fucking clown show characters. Isn't that why they, they, the, the producers of black mirror, basically like shit can their own show because they were just like no it's, just, it's we're too, too we're too close to reality now like it's just it's past us yeah basically they're like just like yeah it's we we can't you know the shit we satirize is all like actually happening now with fucking tesla and like all it's this. seriously we're still st- remember when they made that fucking the the black mirror movie bandersnatch and yeah like, like we're all still trapped in it that's I the, feel the like it, yeah. I, that, you, the, you can't leave it. Once you watch it, you're trapped in it, and you can't go. I was very unsettled out. by that. <laughs> that, was, that was the interactive one. I was very unsettled by that, yes. and, and, and it was like, I just, it felt way too fucking real, and I was like, I can't watch the show. And Like, I genuinely was like, I'm not going to watch this show anymore. Like, how do I, what are the options I pick to get out of the show? It's like, right. I felt like I didn't ever get out of the your show. Entire, right? You're not just watching it now. Your life is now inside the show, always and forever. It was. Yeah. I don't know how they pulled it off, but they did it. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and then here right. we are. Here we are. Fucking um, fifty years God. later, we're gonna take the headset off. We're gonna have like a beard down to our like ankles, and we're gonna be like, "Oh fuck, what happened?" Seriously, oh, do, you, do you ever have dreams that take place like like years of your life go by in the yeah, dream? Yeah, it's very unsettling. And you it's... wake up, and it's only been like ten minutes, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Like, that was the I, most. That was the most effective part. Got of married and of... had kids. What? <laughs> happened to um, where where am i <laughs> that I, I always thought that was the most interesting and effective sort of thought experiment in inception was like the whole idea that they lived out an entire human lifetime in in the uh in the fucking the the purgatory place where the fuck it's called um and then like he woke up but she couldn't deal with the reality like i just thought that that was like such a fucked up like imagine what that would do to a a, a normal human psyche like to d- have that experience and then just to not be able to sort of break that you know i th- yeah I th- that movie gets a lot of shit unnecessarily i think it's it's kind of become vogue what, to what shit was the on title like again what inception was the nolan movie inception. oh yeah yeah inception of course yeah, yeah. well there, there was a um episode of star trek next generation way back when one of the better ones where uh basically like you know the captain gets knocked out by some kind of alien thing and he wakes up on this other planet and, you know, there's like no record of how he got there and he can't communicate with the outside world, but he eventually just accepts it, um, gets married, has kids, has grandkids, uh, you know, solves this world's planet's problems or tries to becomes this great scientist and then dies. And then he wakes up and he's still like on the bridge of the Enterprise Fuck. and is like, it's it's like it's been like 15 minutes and it's like, what the fuck? Like, it's fucked up. That'd be such a mind fuck. Like uh, I, you know. But then like the the fucking alien probe that like knocked him out in the first place. Like inside of it was like a a fucking flute. And like when he was unconscious, living out this whole fucking life in his head, he like learned to play the flute. So it was like a, like an extra big mind fuck. Like why would you do this? Like what was the <laughs> right? And that's, and that's one of the extra like to me the most effective sort of horror stuff i've seen or one of the more effective tropes in horror movies or in sci-fi movies is that idea of like a type of hell or purgatory or whatever where you're just reliving a, like 
a real life city. It's not like fucking you're in like the pits and the people are poking you with fucking. It's just like you're reliving a horrible like real life experience over and over again. And it's just a like something you just wake up and you know you have to. You know, like it, it, it that's to me so much scarier than any idea of like a an evil afterlife where you're going to be like tortured for all eternity. It's just like the idea that you'd have to relive like the worst moment of your life or the worst day or whatever it is like that. Yeah. Seems like a fucking nightmare. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, and maybe if you recognize it, let me know. But there yeah. was a, a movie on Netflix. Uh, it was a foreign film. And I think I watched it with subtitles, not dubbed. Um, came out a couple years ago and it's about a prison where it's like each it's just one floor on top of another on top of another for like hundreds of floors and there's like a hole like a square hole in the middle of the floor where there's like a platform that every day comes down and there's food on it and it you know stops for like a couple minutes and whoever's on that floor can eat all the food they want and then it goes on and goes further and further further but the lower it goes the less food is left right right and like however long you're there changes like what floor you're on, but there's no guards or anything. It's, it was like just really fucking disturbing too. Cause like, you don't know how many people got here. There's no flashbacks. You never see the outside just world. Called the platform. If I remember, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But then like bodies start falling down, you know, and like this whole fucking <laughs> right. story starts with like, you know, and like somebody tries to go up the thing and then there's a kid. Right. And like, it, it just it was like really fucking effective at making you feel it's like you were stuck in that place too, in this fucking hell. And they're going down lower and lower and lower. Um, you know, where the foods, you know, that's, that makes it down there is just rotten. Right. right. And it's oh. like, and they're starving and they're fucking trying to kill each other. And, um, yeah, you know. no, that shit's that. Yeah. That's yeah. Psychological anyway. horror like that. I find like, it's really good, <laughs> but I find it really tough to watch. Like, the, you know, yeah. But that's man. what's scary to me. It's no, not 100%, fucking right. zombies jumping out. It's right. not a fucking talking doll, that's, that's you know. Cheap, you know, that's cheap. Cheap scares are like, you know, the, the type right. of shit. Right. It's, it's things that make you. Things that psychologically fuck you up are like the things that are really, the, the, yeah. the things that'll stick with you. Like being stranded on an island where you have to work the lighthouse and at the end of right. at the end of however many months you've been there, your boss tells you he's docking all of your wages for the entire time that you've been there. Like that would fucking make me go insane. Right. That would make me fucking kill my boss with a shovel. <laughs> right. It would. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and that's, you know, even like you look back to the exorcist and that, that was a whole fucking considering how much more omnipresent religion was in the culture in the 70s at 60s and 70s like you can imagine how much that just fucked everyone up psychologically there wasn't there really aren't like jump scares in the exorcist it's just this this you know but that's why that people still say that's the scariest movie of all time when you know you watch it today and like yeah it's like effective and well made but it's not scary to a modern generation who largely doesn't really believe in religion anymore but you can imagine just for the people well it was based on a novel that came out even earlier than that too. right like like 60s i believe early 60s yeah yeah um, but so yeah, it's fucked up for sure. But yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> I think that, that does it for us this week. Uh, I think, but... oh, no, no, I got, I got a couple other things here. I'll be quick wait, about wait, them though, right, but right, right. I'll, I'll just do one. I'll just do okay. one. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, this is, this was, <laughs> so Mike Pompeo, our former, uh, far right secretary of state, former head of the CIA, fascist. Yeah. Christo fascist. Yeah. So he, he had to go over to North Korea and play nice with um, Kim Jong-il and everything. But now that he's writing a book about it, he's fucking spilling the tea, right? Oh, and he's, he's letting you know 
uh, what really was going on behind the scenes. So this was this was kind of funny to me. So Pompeo says North Korea's Kim opened secret meeting with a joke about assassination. <laughs> so I'm going to assume all this is true. Um, but just take it with a grain of salt because it's coming from, like you said, a, a Christo fascist. Former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo wrote in his new memoir that his secret meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong Un in 2018 began with a quote joke about assassination. <laughs> Continues here the quote: "This small, this is Pompeo speaking. This small, sweating, evil man tried to break the ice with all the charm that you would expect from a mass murderer. Like, talk about projection, right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, who are you? Are you?" Talking about yourself right now? <laughs> Mr. Director, he opened. I didn't think you'd showed up. I know you've been trying to kill me. <laughs> Kim Jong, like, I, I mean, I'm guessed, I'm going to assume that maybe he did that. Which is a pretty dick on the table move, too. Like, oh, well, you, now you want to show your face. You've been trying to kill me for weeks. What the fuck? <laughs> now right. you want to be nice? Like, come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think you know, your leader of North Korea, like a country that's resisted uh, U.S. imperialism and, you know, suffered four to five million deaths when America invaded your country and still beat them. Um, you know, he's got some swagger, I think. Right. <laughs> Kim does. Um, so this was this was this quote is from the book Pompeo's memoir, which Fox News obtained a copy of. Like they they print that in their own article. Like, uh, how did they get a copy of it? Uh, I mean, <laughs> like we had to we had to p- submit a FOIA request to get the copy of this memoir. Yeah. So, <laughs> Pompeo continues here. Quote: My team and I had prepared for this moment, but a joke about assassination was not on the list of things he may say when he greets you. But I was, after all, director of the CIA, so maybe his bon mot made sense. I don't know what that means. I'm assuming it's like some French term. Yeah. I don't care, though, enough to look it up. Pompeo's memoir, Never Give an Inch, Fighting for America. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Pompeo's memoir titled Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the America I Love is set to be released on January 24th amid speculation that the former Trump cabinet secretary could announce a 2024 presidential run. Pompeo said last month that he will announce his plans later this spring. In the first chapter obtained by Fox News, Pompeo writes his meeting with Kim was a complete secret, and his goal was to, quote, correct the failed efforts of the past that had not eliminated North Korea's nuclear weapons of mass destruction. After the North Korean leader opened with an assassination joke, Pompeo said he responded in kind, quote, I decided to lean in with a little humor of my own. So I said, Mr. Chairman, I'm still trying to kill you. In the picture taken seconds after the exchange, Kim is still smiling. He seemed confident that I was kidding. Pompeo said in the memoir. It's just it's just fucking guys kicking each other in the dicks. Right. Like, that's right. all this is. Just passive aggressive douchebaggery right. by way of translators. But, but this, is, this is like fucking statecraft with like a nuclear war at stake. Right, right. This is, <laughs> this is the shit you want to do. It's, it's literally sure, like, yeah. it's fucking Doctor Strange love, literally. <laughs> You can't fight in here. This is the war room. <laughs> swear. Ugh. All right. So wrapping it up here. Pompeo is not the only. But this is fucking these fucking guys. Pompeo is not the only potential Republican president candidate to release a book on his time in the Trump administration. Former President Mike Pence. I love this title. Former President Mike Pence released his memoir titled So Help Me God. <laughs> <laughs> Which detailed his relationship with former President Trump in November. I love the little, the tongue in cheek, like, you know, because 
when you swear an oath, you know, so help me God, whatever. But it's like the, the fact that he fucking had to deal with a fucking nightmare president. <laughs> so <laughs> like, oh, God, so help me God. <laughs> like, and, and I'm sure he like, you know, his publisher was like, hey, you know what? You should title it to appeal to both Republicans and Democrats who will get, right. the, get the fucking inside we'll joke. Read their the own title. fucking, yeah, right. whatever it's, they want into it. Right. It's, it's publishers come up with shit like that all the time. No. Florida Governor Rob DeSantis, who is also seen as a strong 2024 contender, is set to publish his own memoir titled uh, The Courage to be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know what would make America better? Making every state as prosperous as Florida. He is fucking just the apps. He's 100% the Jeb Bush of 2024 because... He is his his DeSantis. whole DeSantis? yeah yeah DeSantis because he's yeah. completely built on a house of cards. He actually believes all this crazy shit. Like the, that's his biggest issue is that he's too genuinely weird. And the moment that Trump gets on a debate stage with him, he will pick him apart systematically. It would be it'll make his beating down of Jeb Bush and Chris Christie look like fucking child's play by comparison. Like I genuinely think that that's going to happen. He's He's he genuinely believes all the crazy shit he says. So like he's way too much of a zealot. Trump will mock his fucking little his little white rubber ducky boots. <laughs> right, his little riding boots that he wore that time. Like, dude, that's oh god, yeah. So so what I love about this little story is is the well, I mean, many of the things in this this memoir, the quotes from it. He calls <laughs> refers to Kim Jong Un as a small sweating evil man. Um, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pompeo is only five foot ten. Which isn't short, but it's hardly, you know, he's not like towering over him. Right. So pot, right? pot meat, kettle, you know. But, but the weird thing is Mike Pompeo also has an IMDB page, which, I mean, you can, whoever you are, you can make your own IMDB page. You just have right. to fucking register and whatever. And it's purely for just like documentaries he was featured in. Right. right. So it's not like he's an actor or anything, but... Like the the weird thing is on his own IMDb page, which I'm sure he published and curates himself, he lists his height as not five foot ten, but five foot eleven and one quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me if he's mocking Kim Jong Un's height, and he runs his own IMDb page and lists his height as five foot eleven and a quarter, that he doesn't have a huge insecurity about his own height. <laughs> oh no, a hundred thousand percent. It's like, hey, you know, just, just what, what fucking adult says? Oh yeah, I'm five eleven and a quarter. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why, like, what fit? Like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm twelve and twelve and three quarters years old. Like, I'm turning thirteen. You're like, yeah, no, that's no, what a, that's what a fucking. And this guy was a secretary of state and the head of the CIA, and he's insecure about how tall he is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Isn't? I mean, if there was an ever an empire built on self doubt, it's this man's ego. Yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable, it's fucking hilarious, but. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> Apologies, I had to yawn. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm sure our audience is yawning now too. It's fucking. Oh, no, it's been a long day. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was trying to hold it. In. I was like, uh, no, couldn't do it. Um, yeah, when Mike Pompeo, just the mention of his name is is naturally fucking yawn inducing. <laughs> I had to read his fucking emails at work every day. <laughs> well, maybe not every day, but it was like it, they literally like written at a third grade reading level. Truly, the Bill um, Lumberg of the State Department, <laughs> Mike oh Pompeo. <laughs> Oh God! All right. Well, yeah, I think that bit, uh, does it for us this week. But uh, yeah, if you want to support the show, rate, review, and subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com/slash/MoveLeft. 
facebook.com slash move left idiots uh patreon.com slash move left i am on twitter at move underscore left uh and i'm on twitter at uh baby yoda 42069 yeah we'll see you next week (laughs) 